Today's episode of Daily DVR is sponsored by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. Go to Cufflinks.com now and use code DVR20 to save 20% off your order, no minimum. That's right, the whole shebang, baby. DVR20, use it. You need a belt. You need cufflinks. You need ties. You need like a pocket square. Come on, look good. Elevate your style when you walk out the door in the morning. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. They have everything you need, and they got a great blog over there too that'll help you if you have an event coming up. So go over to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Welcome to Daily DVR Does Watchmen. My name is Axel and my co-host on this wonderful journey will be A-Hustler, a.k.a. The Hustler, a.k.a.-Aaron Otto, baby. <laughs> so many nicknames, so little time. Some of you might remember us, though, from Lost Mythos Theorycast or Leftovers DVR or basically just loving Damon Lindelof and the worlds that he creates. And we're going to be joining you every Wednesday as HBO unspools this awesome new series, Watchmen. We might even throw in some extra pods, so keep a look at that feed. And we do want your feedback, so hit us up at dvrpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find some of our other podcasts we do, Mindhunter, Veronica Mars, Big Little Lies, The Bachelor, Bachelor in Paradise at DVR Podcast Network, dvrpodcast.com. This is just going to be a short introduction podcast. We want to get the feet up. We want to let you get to know us or remember us. And we're just going to get a little bit into The Watchmen. This is a spoiler-free podcast, so we're not going to spoil the show. We are going to spoil the movie, comic book, everything that came before, because we do feel that that is an entry point to this material, and you should read the comic or watch the film before you start watching this show, because it helps to get to know this world, okay? But we're also going to talk a little bit about Damon Lost and the worlds and myths and themes that we think that he'll bring to this. I do want to talk about someone more important than Damon, though, and that's Aaron Otto. Aaron Otto, how you doing, pal? I'm doing great, man. I'm looking so forward to doing this podcast with you and um, watching The Watchmen. I love this story. And uh, I'm, I'm doing great, man. It's been a while since uh, I've been on a podcast. Um, so it's going to... It's a good uh, refresher for me, but I've been hanging out in Pittsburgh uh, since uh, my last podcast and from the leftovers. I've been hanging out in Pittsburgh and working. I've got married with to my wife. I think that was before. No, that was after after the last. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I got married to my wife. I had yeah. a new job. I'm working in real estate. I'm doing title work and uh, and uh, I'm excited to be doing this podcast again with you, buddy. Yeah, man. This is really fun. It's great to be back with you, my original co-host. It's just great that Damon came back to a premiere show here on HBO. And once again, he's kind of taking a story that existed already like he did with uh, The Leftovers. And we talked a little bit about it before as he did do also with Lost, because that was, in effect, later there was a lawsuit and everything. I guess this guy, Jeffrey Lieber, had kind of created like a Survivor-like show. J.J. Abrams had taken it, added some stuff to it, and then Damon and J.J. did another pass at it when they wrote the pilot. Later, Carlton Cuse came on to Lost. Um, but really, I think we both consider Lost to be a Damon Lindelof show. The Leftovers, a Damon Lindelof show. The other things he's done, 
uh, Prometheus. Um, there's been a couple of movies and a couple of scripts he's written, but it's really the TV shows that speak to what the kind of themes of love, community, understanding, um, and mythology, how important mythologies are, conspiracies, that's going to come up in this. So it's just awesome to get back into that world, man. You know, I'm really looking forward to us diving into that stuff again. Yeah, it's um, Damon is my favorite uh, TV uh, filmmaker, um, you know, creator, uh, story creator in TV and film. And he just he's just so good at taking a story and proving it and making it better and having more depth and. I just I can't believe he's he's actually doing a show on the Watchmen and HBO has actually picked it up and you know what I mean like this is just like fantastic you can actually ask for a better dream than this and uh, you know spoiler alert to everybody else I, I'm looking so much more forward to this than I ever did to uh, Game of Thrones <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> yeah you know it's really interesting um, because this show. Some of the uh, interviews that he's done, like I said, we're not going to really spoil too much because some of the joy, like if I could go back and experience about 200 different moments from The Leftovers and Lost that Damon Lindelof is just perfect at surprising you in both a plot, character, and emotion way, right? Um, yep. I would love to relive them. So I kind of don't want to spoil like even little things that they tell you. I've read some things. I say, I want to stay away. But the one thing I do know is some of the themes. And when I, when, even if you go onto Wikipedia and you read the setting for this series, this series takes, takes place in Tulsa, Oklahoma in an alternate reality in 2019, one with no internet or smartphones, 34 years after the comic and movie, because a movie, motion comic, they're all the same thing. There wasn't too much change. After the comic ends, Robert Redford is the longest serving president of the United States, having been elected in 1992. <laughs> and this is the important part. After a white supremacy group of Rorschach followers that calls themselves the Seventh Calvary, wearing homemade Rorschach masks, commits simultaneous acts on the houses of police members, the police start wearing masks. So the idea that this show is going to be based around a white supremacy group and then the police basically becoming faceless as well, and then you have like kind of police state stuff too, is so ripe for the type of depth that Damon brought to the concepts of time travel and friendship and love and community on loss and on leftovers. Love again, of course, is always a main theme, um, but personal right. responsibility and faith and spirituality and things. This is just. And time. Yeah. <laughs> time is so important in all of his shows. Yes. And this, yeah. that's something that, um, let's talk a little bit about the comic. Um, you uh, you have a little bit more experience than I. I think that you got into it a little bit more. I, I had yeah. read it when it came out, 
And then I reread it and I watched the motion comic, which if anybody, I got it from the library. If you get a chance, watch the motion comic. It's five hours long, but it's the, it's the exact comic just basically read to you. And the guy is awesome who does it. But maybe you could take us through the story of what The Watchman is. Yeah, so my experience with The Watchman, I, I read it um, in the 90s, um, long after it had come out as a young adult. And I thought it was a, a great story. It was so different. Um, you know, I, am a, I do like comic books. I'm more into adult comic books now than necessarily superhero uh, comics. Um, however, I, uh, I, I, I really enjoyed it. And the themes that were, out, were laid out um, with The Watchmen were just so different than everything that came before it. And it inspired a lot of copycats afterwards that, you know, were dark and these anti-heroes. And a lot of them, a lot of these comics missed the point um, that The Watchmen was really trying to do. And, you know, uh, Alan Moore to me is, uh, he was a great writer. He's a great storyteller. In a way, he's almost like the Damon Lindelof of comics, you know, in some way. You know, he was so important to their development and to the changes that we see today. Um, so that that's my experience. I've also, I reread the comic. I've watched the movie. The movie, you know, the movie's fine. It's, uh, it's not great. It's not bad either. It kind of just follows the comic pretty much verbatim. There are some things that are different. Um, obviously, the end of it is very different. And we can get into that at a later point. Um, but that's kind of my experience so far with it. And, uh, if you, uh, I guess we can get into what the story was. And like you mentioned this before, it's, um, it's an alternate history, um, that basically takes shape. I think it starts in about 1937. I think that's about the, the year it starts. No, 1938. That's when the new timeline begins. And it starts with, uh, basically, uh, people, who are tired of, um, you know, some of the vigilantes going around and, uh, you know, they wanted to do something and help people. And um, there's this guy called Hooded Justice. He's one of the first um, watchmen. And uh, they, they basically developed in the 40s and 50s. And they became uh, an important part of American society. Although they were considered superheroes or they wear costumes, they had no actual superhero abilities yeah, uh, at this point. That's an important part. Yeah. At this, yeah, it's a very important part. So it's almost like Alan Moore, I think when he was creating this comic, DC had come to him and said, we want you to do a comic. They recruited him from another comic. I forget what it was. And um, they said they wanted um, him to come in and cre you know, create a different universe. I think he was... They initially asked him to work within the DC universe of Superman and all that, but then they realized that he probably would kill people and, you know, the character arcs would not go the way that they wanted. So they told him to come up with all of his own new characters. Um, so I guess he and uh, Gibbons, the artist, um, you know, worked on that together. And, um, uh, well, and, and then I guess um, this is where I get caught up. <laughs> Sorry, man. No, it's okay. Yeah, they, they what they basically ended up doing is creating kind of alternates to the standard heroes that we know, uh, you know, like Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman kind of guy, mm -hmm. right? 
And instead of coming out with a, what DC and Marvel have done many times, which is kind of recreate a new universe of their characters, you know, and continue it on. They made a very adult, a very political and, and social and cultural uh, commentary on not only our society, but the way that comic books are written and the way that these characters are seen. Uh, and the interesting part I felt about one of the most interesting parts about the Watchmen, the comic, which, by the way, debuted in 1986. So that's who can you remember? It start well, it started in September 1986 and went into October of 1987. That was the original run um, is that as you described before, it has a nonlinear structure. You go back in flashbacks, flash forwards. And this, of course, is related to the characters that are in the show, in the comic book itself. But the other thing is that it takes a detective noir aspect to it that I think the film kind of destroys. I think it's very prevalent in the comic and it's very prevalent when you watch the motion comic. Uh, but the film really kind of a, really it starts off a little bit with the intro with Rorschach's diary, but it kind yeah. of abandons that feeling. Whereas the comic or it jumps around a little yeah. bit. I mean, it comes back to it a little bit when you deal with his character, but then when you get into the other characters, it kind of like abandons that. Yes. Right? Whereas I think that you know, I mean, the comic is much better. Zack Snyder is not my favorite director in the world. I've enjoyed some of his work. I thought the Three Hundred was fun. I actually thought his remake of Dawn of the Dead was probably the best zombie thing that's been made in a long time because he really cared about it. But everything else, you know. All of his superhero stuff is not good. I mean, those Justice League, Batman movies, they're terrible. So yeah. if you all are fans of that and you're hoping that we are, <laughs> we're not. That stuff is garbage. Yeah. And yeah. Damon Lindelof could, is going to do it so much better. So we're really talking about – at first we were thinking like, let's review the movie. But it's like it's not even worth reviewing. Go read the comic. No. Watch the motion comic. Listen. You can get an audio book of it. It's totally worth it. Um and the jumping around in time and that detective noir is what sets up the whole story, right? Because yeah. what the story of the Watchmen is, is that Rorschach is kind of our entry point to a mystery of um, who is killing these masked heroes, who's trying to kind of take them out, uh, all the older ones now. And as we follow through the story, we learn more about all of the characters. Some of those characters are going to be in the TV show. Um, Just a few of them we know of maybe two that are featured in the comic book and that are also going to be featured in the TV show. Um, I think three. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm not not positive about it, but I think three. Okay. All right. Um, So maybe – so what this – well, as we begin – um, we learn about uh, the different characters and the ones that are included and the ones that are not. The, the big character that we find out right in the beginning who has been killed is the comedian. And he becomes yeah. a central character throughout the entire comic. He's kind of an anarchist, um, an assassin, and just basically a terrible human being. Yes. All around. 
(laughs) (laughs) Right. And that's kind of part of the complex nature of the Watchmen is you're trying to figure out who killed this guy, but you kind of think that whoever did it is probably a hero because this guy was terrible. Uh, he murder, a murderer, a rapist, um, uh, used by the government as an assassin in the Vietnam war and in all over the world. He killed JFK. Right. Really? Uh, I, I forgot about <laughs> or that. Or do they Jesus. throw, they throw that into the movie. So. I think that's in really? the movie, yeah, but not think, in the comic yeah, that he's yeah, the second sure. shooter. Um, they show mm-hmm. him like walking away for really quickly from the, uh, um, the grassy knoll. I forgot about that. Okay. <laughs> um, so we basically go, we don't, we, we don't need to rehash the entire yeah. story of the, why is it, what, what, what important parts do you think Aaron? Well, I, I, I do like the, uh, I mean, I like the timeline. I like how it does. Like it didn't, like you said, it, it, we start off in the present time, which is actually 1985, um, in the comic. And then you kind of like, you it starts off as a mystery like you said and then as you're getting to know each of the superheroes or costume heroes whatever you want to call them um as you uh, get to know them you kind of get more into the story and it, it not only tells you what's going on in the present but it goes deep into the watchmen past like who the watchmen were before the watchmen which they were called the minutemen the first group that formed in the 40s taking a little break to remind you to go to our presenting sponsor cufflinks.com baby go to cufflinks.com slash dvr and use code dvr20 get 20 percent off your order no minimum that's right baby it's all there for the taken if you like ncaa nfl major league baseball nba star wars game of thrones marvel dc they've got everything hey man they got new stuff for the aladdin movie it's amazing stuff check it out cufflinks.com has everything along with those classic styles that just look good they don't they're not all genre stuff they've got the classic stuff too so go to cufflinks.com slash dvr and use code dvr20 today One of the best parts about podcasting is getting to know the listeners and making new friends. And one of those friends is Andy. You may have heard me mention him before on one of our many podcasts. And Andy and his wife, Claire, are looking to adopt. So if you or anybody you know is considering adoption for their baby, please consider the loving family of Andrew and Claire. They're a home study approved adoptive family of three living on a farm in southern Minnesota with a dog, Barney, and two turtles. They're able to adopt from anywhere in the United States and would love to answer any questions you may have. To learn more about them, check out their Facebook page at Andrew and Claire Adopt or on Instagram at Andrew underscore and underscore Claire underscore adopt. You can also email them at Andrew and Claire Adopt at gmail.com. So again, if you or anyone you know is considering adoption for their baby, reach out at andrewandclairadopt at gmail.com. Thanks. All right, so I'm, what I'm going to do is, for uh, the uh, benefit of time, I'm going to go over and give everyone a brief plot description of what the comic was, in case it's been a while since you read it. Once again, this is written by Alan Moore. The artist is Dave Gibbons. And it was published in September 1986 to October 1987, 12 issues in comic form, 
most likely now, if you get it, you'll find it in a big book that you can read as one long story. This is the plot. In October 1985, New York City detectives are investigating the murder of Edward Blake. With the police having no leads, costume vigilante Rorschach decides to probe further, discovering Blake to have been the true identity of the comedian, a costume hero employed by the U.S. government. Rorschach believes he has discovered a plot to terminate costume adventurers and sets out warning four of his retired comrades, Dan Dreberg, formerly the second Night Owl, the superpowered and emotionally detached John Osterman, codenamed Dr. Manhattan, that's where our time travel aspects come in, we can't wait for Damon to hit that, and his lover Lori Jespezik, the second Silk Spectre, and Adrian Vedit, Vedit, I have a real hard time pronouncing this name, do you know how to pronounce it? Ossimandius, uh, his name, Veid. After Blake's funeral, Manhattan is accused on national television of being the cause of cancer in friends and former colleagues. When the government takes the accusation seriously, Dr. Manhattan exiles himself to Mars. As the U.S. depends on Manhattan as a strategic asset, his departure throws humanity into political turmoil, with the Soviets invading Afghanistan to capitalize on American weakness. Rorschach's concerns appear vindicated when Ozymandias narrowly survives an assassination attempt and Rorschach himself is framed and imprisoned for murdering a former supervillain named Moloch. Neglected in her relationship with the once-human Manhattan, whose now godlike powers and transformation have removed him completely from the everyday concerns of living beings, Jespezik stays with Dryberg. They begin a romance, don their costumes, and resume vigilante work as they clo- grow closer together. With Night Owl starting to believe some aspects of Rorschach's conspiracy theory, the pair take it upon themselves to break him out of prison. After looking back on his own personal history, Dr. Manhattan places the fate of his involvement with human affairs in just basic's hands. He teleports her to Mars to make the case for emotional investment. During the course of the argument, she's forced to come to terms with the fact that Blake, the comedian who once attempted to rape her mother, was in fact her father, following a second consensual relationship. This discovery, reflecting the complexity of human emotions and relationships, re-sparks Dr. Manhattan's interest in humanity. Night Owl and Rorschach continue to uncover the conspiracy and find evidence that Ozymandias may be behind the plan. Rorschach writes his suspicions about Ozymandias in his journal, which he has been recording during the entire investigation, and mails it to the New Frontiersman, a local right-wing newspaper. The pair then confront Ozymandias at his Antarctic retreat. Ozymandias explains his plan is to save humanity from nuclear war by faking an alien invasion in New York. (laughs) This is where it gets crazy, which will annihilate half the city's population. He hopes this will unite the superpowers against a perceived common enemy. He also reveals that he murdered the comedian, arranged for Dr. Manhattan's past associates to contract cancer, staged the attempt on his own life, and killed Moloch in order to frame Rorschach. 
This was all done in an attempt to prevent his plan from being exposed. Night Owl and Rorschach find Ozymandias' logic callous and abhorrent, but he's already enacted his plan. When Dr. Manhattan and just basic arrive back on Earth, they are confronted by math destruction and death in New York. With a gigantic squid-like creature created by Ozymandias Laboratories dead in the middle of the city. Manhattan notices his abilities are limited by tachyons emanating from the Antarctic and the pair teleport there. They confront Ozymandias. He shows everyone news broadcasts confirming the emergence of the new threat has indeed prompted peaceful cooperation between the superpowers. This leads almost all present to agree that concealing the truth is in the best interest of world peace. Rorschach refuses and he leaves, intent on revealing the truth. Making his way back home, he's confronted by Dr. Manhattan. Rorschach declares that Manhattan will have to kill him to stop him from exposing Ozymandias' plan, which has gone through, which which Dr. Manhattan does. He kills Rorschach. Manhattan then wanders through the base and finds Ozymandias, who asks him if he did the right thing in the end. Manhattan responds that nothing ever ends before leaving the Earth to another universe. The rest of the superheroes go into hiding under new identities. Back in New York, the editor at the New Frontiersman asks his assistant to find some filler material from the crank file, and he finds Rorschach's diary, Rorschach's journal, baby. So that's it. That was, hey, I was just reading it from Wikipedia, but you're listening, so it helps you understand. Basically, the entire idea the, the the detective subplot here is that the culprit is Ozymandias. He creates this mutant super being with telekinetic powers that appears as an alien, tricks everyone in New York into thinking there's an alien there, and then basically ex- is is killed, explodes, and sends out a psychic shock wave, which destroys people's brains and people go running around Manhattan killing each other. And it's an, it's an insane ending. Mm -hmm. It's very metaphoric. Yeah. Much more. So it's like the entire comic has a great stable real world element, but in the end it does a little bit go off the deep end into the metaphor, becoming the reality, the psychic harm, the politics, right? Um, the right wing stuff that Oz, that kind of uh, the Rorschach followers that we're going to mm-hmm. see in the TV show are following. What are yep. your what are some kind of thoughts, ideas, anything about this story, Aaron? Oh, I just uh, there's so much there's so much to go on. I mean, we didn't even talk about the tales of the Black Freighter. Yes, <laughs> the that's comic true. the the comic within the comic. So there's. There's a separate part of this that you don't actually see in the movie. And I, I don't know, maybe there will be some reference in the show. Who knows how they're going to handle that. But there's basically just a random character that's hanging out at the newsstand who reads all these uh, uh, issues of the, the Black Freighter and um, Tales of the Black Freighter. And while the story is going on, we go back and forth. Uh, to the newsstand and we get not only comments from the news, the guy who's running it, but we also 
go down into the comic that this kid is uh, just hanging out by the newsstand all the time and reading. So um, something that I thought was really interesting um, that uh, when I was like researching this and why Alan Moore decided to do a comic about, um, I guess, a comic about pirates is that, you know, in this world, uh, you don't have, you don't want to do superhero comics, right? Because that, that is their everyday existence. They have superheroes or at oh, least Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah. And Dr. Manhattan is actually the superhero. So they're trying to come up with a different theme for the comic within a comic that people in that world would be more interested in. So they came up with the pirate theme. So, um, so I'll, I'll just basically uh, talk to you about um, what this what this comic within the comic was. Um, it's the story is called Marooned. Uh, this is just one of the tales of the Black Freighter. The sea captain journeys to warn his hometown of the coming of the Black Freighter. He survives on an island and he's by he's marooned and he um, decides he knows he's going to die and he has to go back and warn his wife and uh, people in his village or town that the black freighter is coming for them, or at least that's what he thinks. So he survives by, um, he uses the bodies of the dead shipmates to make a raft because I guess something that can float. Um, by the time it's about his adventures getting to this Island, which is uh, an adventure. Um, and then once he gets there, he kills an innocent couple thinking that they are, um, part of the black freighter that they've already been there. And then he, he actually attacks his wife. He goes to the village and attacks his wife. And then he realizes that uh, what he's done and he goes back to the shore and then the ship, the black freighter, he thought um, was coming to attack his town. It actually shows up to, to actually take him away. So it's to claim him. And uh, so I thought that was like a really interesting yeah. side story. And from what I understand, it kind of relates to Ozymandias a little bit um and his trajectory and his story which we're not going to go into too much but i just wanted to bring that part of the comic up because it's kind of important and i'm very curious to see um if damon lindelof has any references to it which i think he will at some point yeah i mean i think that a lot of the themes of the watchmen were which is a general theme is we are our own undoing um, it's, it's our own inability to understand ourselves and be honest about who we are or what we desire or what we're comfortable with that causes so many issues and problems that the masks that we wear, the, the, you know, I mean, I think Batman has always been my favorite superhero because he's a person. He doesn't have any mm -hmm. powers. It's real. And he's yeah. real. And because it's really a, a psychological story. And Watchmen, in many ways, is a psychological story. Each one of our characters, right? Each one of our heroes, Rorschach is the um, the put upon, made fun of loser, right? Who rises up um, against everyone. Um, Ozymandias is the the conqueror, Alexander the Great. The, the mm -hmm. smartest so man in the be. world, right? Yeah. Arrogant yeah. above all, the businessman. Um, Night Owl is kind of like the Batman without the bad story. He's a good guy who really <laughs> wants to help people, right? Yep. Like yep. Night Owl is a pure hero. Uh, the yes. comedian is the anti-hero, 100%. 
the anti-hero. Dr. Manhattan is the supernatural being. He is created in a nuclear accident. He can change and bend time and space, travel to different alternate universes. He doesn't really even exist corporally, right? Um, His, his, his uh, origin story takes up the largest, it's the largest origin story, really the only origin story of the Watchmen comic. They get really deep into him. And there's one particular, uh, one particular comic, I think it's issue six or seven, that is all his origin story and him traveling through time. And to me, it's one of the greatest issues of a comic ever. It's absolutely amazing. Um, I agree. Silk Spectre, in many ways, who is just basic, uh, I can't pronounce anything correctly, is um, the she, her mother was uh, also a masked hero. She and, was Silk Spectre 1. Yeah, she was Silk Spectre 1. So you have that. She takes on a lot of the issues, obviously, of feminism and women in America, but also she has that connection to being the illegitimate daughter of the comedian and her mother who they first met through a rape, but then later they actually fell in love. And that's so hard to understand that that like, like I was reading in the idea in the, um, uh, the, the, uh, the whole story there, that idea kind of brings Dr. Manhattan back to life because it makes him see what people are. But um, these, 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 all these heroes are, uh, have sad stories, right? Like nothing's happy here and it's all very um, emotional and psychological and uh, especially um, Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah. He's, um, and I, it's, I think his stories is also very unique in the sense that he is like he is the Superman of the right. DC world, and the I guess the difference between both of them would be that Superman wants to be more human. He wants to help humanity. I mean, that's what he's about, right? That's he he wants to be more human. He that's how he wants to fit in his Christopher Reeve, you know, and you know all that that story arc. Whereas um, whereas uh, Doctor Manhattan actually once a dis- as he goes through the story up until the point that you mentioned he's actually disassociating yes, himself from exactly. yeah and he's realizing that there's so many other things that like time and space and that are more interesting to him he doesn't care about yeah. humanity anymore <laughs> <laughs> and it's only a sick story of a woman who is the love of his life right who they live mm-hmm. together for years at this secret base and she can't leave and she stuck to him and, you know, uh, he's having sex with her and, and it's like different versions of him and he's in the other room doing experiments and this makes her crazy. That's why this story is so amazing because it has these real human elements and it makes you think if there was a person who had all these powers, a Superman, he would eventually get bored. You know, and these little things, saving cats in a tree or the fact that one country wants to battle another country at a certain point, he just say, you know, I mean, I can go and create star systems. Why do I care about you? You know, and that's kind of, um, that, that is a, that's an aspect that 
hadn't really been delved into in comics in a large way, you know? I mean, you do have the history of, but at this point in time, a, a lot of the interesting Marvel and DC comics had been written and they'd gone a lot of different ways. But Watchmen was unique for the way that it took such a crazy different alternate world, but yet seemed to relate emotionally better uh, with its characters. And I think that Damon is going to have the, is going to be able to do the same thing as we move into talking. You know, I think we've covered a, a good amount of the, um, of the comic. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about it, Hustler? Uh, no, I mean, yeah, we've, we've gone into the, I, I feel like the major themes, especially the, you know, uh, the, you know, because the, these are the anti-heroes. Um, they're not, they're yeah. not the, you know, the superheroes that, um, the comics that came before it. And, uh, yeah, no, I think that's, I think we've, uh, covered that pretty well. Yeah. And we're going to actually, you know, when we get into the show, well, of course we're going to reflect back on all of this stuff and compare it and see how, what Damon does with it. So, yeah. I, you know, and, I, he, and I think that, you know, as we already read in the beginning, this takes place in our present time, just like the comic attempted to keep real time. Um, and I think that that's super interesting that Damon's deciding to do that, but also because of the nature of the way in which the comic ended, right. In which this crazy thing that happened in New York is, is actually believed by everyone, but we know yep. the truth of what happened when this story begins again, it brings up the question, will people think that has, was the publishing of Rorschach's journals what effect did that have? Now we see that these are white supremacists that are following Rorschach, attacking the police, attacking other people. They have so is there some kind of civil war brewing in America? Robert what has Robert Redford done as president? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, because this is an alternate universe. Um he didn't there's a lot of movies he didn't make. <laughs> yeah. I guess there was no sneakers. Um so that's why I think it's fun to know the comic. I don't think that I think Damon's going to throw little things in here and there. I, I think it's going to be, but as he did in the leftovers at lost and as I think he does with every, it's going to, he's going to create his own story. Um, and it's even possible because of Dr. Manhattan and all the crazy things that went on that we may come to find out that this universe has been changed in ways that we don't yet understand during that 34 years. Yeah. Right. True. Mm -hmm. Like that's something don't forget. Um, I think that's why it helps to listen to this podcast and that we're familiar with Damon. This is a guy that does not think one level. This guy is playing three-dimensional chess, as they say, or in Star Trek, right. whatever it was called, uh, Romulan chess, because he is I, – I can almost guarantee that the way that Dr. Manhattan disappears at the end of The Watchmen um, – and we're talking again about the comic, not about the movie – um, it brings the ability for him to come back or to have affected the world in ways that are beyond time and space. Yep, that's and true. And conspiracy theory, you know? 
in, in a way, he's, uh, although the other superheroes, you know, I guess you can argue they helped change the timeline. Without Dr. Manhattan, you know, the, it, it begs a question, would things have really changed that much? You know what I mean? Yeah. But he, to me, he is like his creation or that nuclear accident and him becoming Dr. Manhattan is what really sets up the events, even though it started before him. Um, it really set up the events of the, of the Watchmen. Yeah, definitely. Least, uh, definitely the most current events. Um, so I think, yeah, it, it's, I think we're also going to see uh, the, so there's three characters I think are going to be in it. We, Dr. Manhattan, mm-hmm. Ozymandias, and I do think the Silk Spectre 2 is still alive as Gene Smart. Yes. Yeah. Let me that. go over that. I'm going to, okay. I'm going to give a brief review of the characters that we know are in the show. Um, and I, you know, maybe a little, I don't want to get too spoily, so I may omit some things. But the star of our new show, again, taking place 34 years after this um, uh, tentacled alien exploded in New York, which was really a genetic mutant that Ozymandias created in a lab in order to create world peace, and it worked. Um, these are the, the characters. Uh, the lead of our show is Regina King. An amazing actress. She was in season two of The Leftovers, Southland, a host of other television shows, some films as well. One of my Academy Award this year. Yeah, one of my favorite actresses and is the star of this show. She is the star. And she her name is Angela Abraham. Um she is a detective of the Tulsa police force and a mother of three. It's been speculated that her crime fighting persona is hooded justice. So we don't know yet, but we know that it's speculated because we've seen a little bit in the trailers that she could be this character hooded justice, but also a police officer. So as we said before, the police are now wearing masks as a result of being attacked by Rorschach's followers. If we remember too, as I mentioned, Rorschach's journal was um, was distributed by a right-wing journal. So you can see how it eventually became propaganda in a sense, right? Uh, we also have the great Jeremy Irons, I know a, a favorite of A Hustlers, oh, yeah. playing oh, Ozymandias, yeah. a perfect casting. This is beautiful, per- perfect casting. So. We'll see what happens. Uh, the billionaire eccentric genius who masterminded world peace. Uh, we'll see if that and, still exists. Yeah. And if like, were there any notes in Warsark's journal about Ozymandias? Yeah. As well? like, and is that a that's... conspiracy now? Is Ozymandias yeah. on the run? Do people not believe it? I mean, if he's the smartest guy in the world, he could easily say Rorschach was nuts you know what I'm yeah. saying? And this becomes yeah. a conspiracy theory on 4chan or 8chan or 16chan or whatever, uh, or Roar, Rorschach-chan. Um, so we, that's that's really cool the way they're going to be able to play with that 34 years too. Because another thing is, as we know from Lost and The Leftovers, Damon Lindelof loves to play with flashbacks, flash forwards, sideways. So don't think that we're not going to see what happened in that 34 years. Yeah, that's true. Definitely. Uh, here's here's uh, people rounding out the cast. Don Johnson 
plays Judd Crawford, Tulsa chief of police, Tim Blake Nelson. What an actor. Oh, brother, where art thou? I mean, countless mm-hmm. a fantastic character actor, uh, a bunch of Coen Brothers films and other films. Also a director. Um, plays Detective Looking Glass. So is he a hero too? Have the have the police decided to bring heroes into the fold? A big part that we didn't mention of the comic was that the government had integrated the superheroes into the fold, right? And until the Keen Act, yes, yeah. and that the Keen Act banned them. And that was because they were too powerful and mainly because of Dr. Manhattan and being able to control them. Yeah. And I think, well, they did. I think the comedian and Dr. Manhattan were technically still working with the U S government, but all the other ones were banned. Yeah. And the comedian, I mean, it's basically became an assassin. Um, Yes. Lewis Gossett Jr. Iron Eagle plays Will Reeves. Will Reeves. Now I won't, there is a rumor of who he might also be, but I'm not sure. So I'm not going to say anything. Okay. Yaya Abdul Maten II, recently seen in Aquaman as Black Mantis, plays Cal Abar, um, probably related to Regina King's character, have the same name, it seems, yeah. because she was given an alternate name too. Um, mm-hmm. Tom Minson, Mr. Phillips, Francis Fisher, Sarah Vickers, uh, there's a couple of, those are, those are basically, let's see. Yeah. Those and are basically, Oh, I'm sorry. I skipped over that. Right. Gene smart, who is rumored to be the, a much older silk specter too. now about the age that her mother was during the comic book. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, or actually so older than her mother. Cause her yeah, mother had her when older. she was young. Yeah. Yeah, and Gene Smart as well. So She's this got to be close to seventy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, there's also Adelaide Clemens, who some people may recognize from Parade's End. Who I watched that. That was with uh, Bernard Cumberbatch. A great cast. Uh, oh, James Walk from Zoo, and uh, also from um, wow. Mad Men. He's in it too. Doing the music for this, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, great duo who worked a lot with David Fincher, uh, did some of the music in Mindhunter too. Uh, So this is like, this is going to be amazing, man. This is a great cast. And the the best thing about this is that Damon, this has been his baby for most of his adult life. This is something that he's wanted to do. It's a dream and passion of his. So... It's, you know, it's great. I guess one thing I wanted to mention was it's going to be interesting to see almost like the people of the comic or the people of the book, you know, like versus the show, almost like Game of Thrones style and see how that goes. Mm, You know, know, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of purists out there that are like, what are you doing? Just like Alan Moore, (laughs) let's let's be honest. Alan Moore didn't want anybody to touch his work. Yes. The writer, he didn't want anybody to touch. He wanted to be left alone. He's fought with people. Um, he's, I think in 2010, DC finally came to him or, and said, you know, can you create some more stories for this? And he said, you guys came to me too late, so I'm out of the business and I don't want to do anything with it. Um, but I do know that when Damon, when he found out that the show was going to be, you know, taken over by Damon Lindelof, he didn't really care who it was. They just 
doesn't want the show to be done. Yeah. But Damon Lindelof is doing it anyway. Bless his heart. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, Alan Moore is a cantankerous dude. I mean, yeah. he's described as a left wing anarchist. Uh, you know, I mean, you see pictures of him. Oh yeah, he's he's a he's a crazy dude, and he's yeah. got. I mean, I shouldn't say crazy. He's got ideas. He's an. Inta- I mean, yeah. obviously, this is a great story, and yeah. he has different views about a lot of political idea. I don't know him that well. I just know enough to know that he's a controversial guy. I I really, honestly, I'm not quite sure if left means left or right or whatever. As we all know in this world, sometimes you go so far one way, you come out the other. Um, But yeah, he didn't want people to do this. We have not talked about some people maybe listening and say, why didn't you talk about the sequel comics and the prequel comics? Because those are not part of this universe. Um, Lindelof has said that the only thing that has any bearing to this is the original comic. So the prequel, the sequels, they are not going to have any bearing on this television program. And they're not part of the world in which Damon Lindelof has created this. And they weren't written by Alan Moore and they weren't, uh, they weren't, um, uh, drawn by Gibbons or anyone else involved. So they were kind of money-making things that they did because they wanted to do them. Right. And I think because the movie came out. Um, so we're not really too interested in those. Not that they're not good. Hey, maybe they're great on their own. I didn't read them. I don't know. They could be independently great art, but for our intents and purposes, we'll only be referencing the original comic. That's right. And, uh, this, this story again is like so much more than just a comic book. It is a real good story. Yeah. So much politics and, and not, we didn't even talk about, you know, yeah. the, the sexual politics that go on, um, not only with the rape, of course, but with Dr. Manhattan and his, the way he's so distant and it's, it's really, it's an, it's very adult. And if Damon proved one thing to us after lost, which some people thought was like, I mean, you know, at some point people were like, oh, this is a kiddie show or whatever, blah, blah. They made fun of it. The Leftovers is like the most adult show that was ever on television. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I know. It's my favorite show ever created. You know that. Yeah. I mean, if, but, if you all haven't seen The Leftovers, please stop what you're doing right now and just yeah. go watch it on HBO. You, you know what's funny? I, so many people I know are like, what shows should I watch? What shows should I watch? And every time I tell them The Leftovers, they're just like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's already played. What's so great about that? And I'm just like, just watch a couple episodes. You're yeah. really doing yourself a disservice if you don't. And the thing about him, again, is that he took a, a, the book, The Leftovers. It was a book. And he worked with the author and he created the first season. Then after the events ended of the, of the book, uh, the second and third seasons, he made the, he made the story so much better. No, yes. no offense to the author because couldn't have the story without him. But he just, he just took it and transformed uh, a written word and just made it this epic story just oh my god it was just so amazing and probably to me it had the best ending that i've ever seen yeah and that's uh, that's something that we should prepare folks if you're listening and you're a Watchmen fan um we're damon lindelof fans first and for us and i'm gonna be quite honest with you any talk of it, it it goes against the comic whatever i don't give a shit 
because I honestly am going into this thinking Damon Lindelof is taking an existing property and is going to make it better. He makes everything better. Um, I mean, not only is he from New Jersey, there's only a couple people that can do, do, do what he can do. It's, it's, I, we have 100% confidence in him and we're going to throughout this show. I have absolutely no doubt that this is going to automatically be the best show on television. Call me crazy. I would only say that about a couple other, you know. If if uh, the Breaking Bad crew, Better Call Saul crew does a show, it's automatically the best show on TV. It's just people who know what they're doing. They're professionals. And right. um, I think that the aspects that we're going to dive into and that Damon can bring to this can can really flesh out a story. And in the end, this may be much longer than the comic was or the... Um, or the film, right? Like, yeah, this story could go on five, six seasons. I think it'll at least go three. Um, so this is a long road ahead. And I, I just, we have all faith and confidence in Damon. Yes. We love the end of lost. (laughs) That's right. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I love the end of Lost. I loved it. Yeah. But again, the end of the leftovers, like, Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that was amazing. Everybody should go out and watch it. And, but one thing I yeah. will say again, too, is as Damon fans, we're not looking to get the answers to everything. Um, That's right. a lot we of like people, questions. yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people were upset about lost and left. Oh, we didn't know exactly the leftovers. We never, you never found out exactly what happened. Well, guess what? That's part. That's, that's called life. You don't know why you're here. Um, right. so you're not going to know that in the end, this is not, you know, they're, they're, Damon is not going to set out to tell you to set up a bunch of questions to answer them for you. He's setting up a bunch of questions to get you to think and experience right. the show um, as a living thing. And, yeah, that, and there's open ended, yeah. there's open ended, there's going to be open ended questions and he's going to leave it up to you to figure those out exactly. for yourself. Exactly. And that's, that's the beauty of it. It's almost like choose your own adventure, yeah. you know, it is the journey. It is not the destination folks. Um, but guess what? We have reached our destination. I think we about covered it, man. We went longer than I thought we would. Yeah, it was nice. It was, that was a good was introduction great. back yeah. into the podcasting world, and uh, I'm looking forward to doing the show with you, buddy. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. Yeah, brother. This was very great. It was fun. Gets my juices flowing. Gets everybody thinking where it's going to go. And now, look, I'm I'm releasing this. It's October 1st. We're recording this. The show doesn't come out till the 20th. This will be up two weeks, three weeks before the show comes out. So, do yourselves a favor. What you got two homework to do. Watch the leftovers. It's only 30 episodes. Actually, it's less. Wasn't one it's season? Less. Yeah, it's like 28. Yeah, it's, uh, right? eight, uh, I think it's even 26, actually. Okay, 26 episodes. Go watch it. It's on HBO now. And also, read the Watchmen comic or watch the motion comic. Don't watch the stupid movie. We didn't talk that much. We, originally, I was like, I watched the movie again. I was like, we don't even need to talk about this because no, the comic is no. where it's at. Go read no, the comic yeah. or or look over an overview. You just heard me give you the overview, but there's more to it that's going to strengthen the characters, um, and uh, you'll be prepared. And the next time we'll be back on uh, the 23rd 
October 23rd, talking about the first episode. If you enjoyed this, give us an early review. It helps us out. Email us, dvrpodcast at gmail.com. We want to know your thoughts. You can email us right after the show ends. You got three days to do it. At the end of the episode or throughout the episode, I'd like to sprinkle in your thoughts and ideas to people who are listening. I feel like this. I'm going to make a proclamation here right now, a hustler. All right. This is going to be the biggest show of the year. After Game of Thrones, people are going to say, what, ha- what everybody was waiting. What was the next big show? This is it. Watchmen is going to be the biggest show. People are going to love this show. It's going to be controversial. It's going to bring people in. People are going to argue. I think we're going to get some controversy here. We're going I into an so. election year. This is about white supremacy and politics, and we all know what's happening in the world. So we're going to try to stick to the show, but we know that's going to be a part of it. But this is going to be a huge show. Oh, man, I can't wait. I can't wait either, baby. All right. Any final words, Hustler? No, I think that that about sums it up. I uh, really appreciate you listening. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Check us out at DVRpodcast.com. Until October 23rd, peace out. Peace.